HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Q Drinks, carbonated mixers made for your cocktail. Visit their website at qdrinks.com. That's Q, the letter, drinks.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't charm the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. My co-host, Souther Teague, is still in Mexico. What are you doing down there, guy? Hey, you're probably not listening. You son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. Well, since he's down there, uh, you know, soaking up the sun in the Yucatan Peninsula, let's talk about uh, someone who's from the north where it's always pretty much cold. You know what? I don't know much about Chicago. I've only been there once. It was on tour with my band, and I didn't get to hang out. I had some deep dish pizza, but we have the lovely Jessica Lambert from Chicago, Illinois. Hey guys. Um, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to have you here. Um, so you, you're in town this week. You just, uh, I know that it's the unofficial uh, bartenders week here in, in New York. What's funny about that is like a lot of people don't even know because it's so unofficial. It, I didn't even know. <laughs> we just talked and about it. And I'm a bartender and I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in town uh, for what then? Um, we're just kind of uh, meeting with some people like yourself and talking about uh, the Gray Hotel that just opened in Chicago and the yeah. two bars that we opened and kind of what we're doing over there. Cool. So. Yeah. You've got, um, you're working with the Kimpton Group. Uh, you're running some bars for them. Yes. Uh, you've got two that that I know of. Are, the, the, are you doing more than two? I, I hope that there's only two, because those are the only two that I'm in charge gotcha. of. If there's another one, I'm in deep trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's talk about them. Baleo is one of them. Yeah, so um, we have Baleo. It's a um, it's on the 15th floor of the hotel. It actually has this beautiful glass roof um, that we can retract fully open. Um, so it's sort of a seasonal yeah. rooftop. When it's not windy and cold. Right, right, which is... <laughs> 
sometimes um, <laughs> in Chicago, but uh, it's South American inspired. So um, it's really heavily rooted in Peruvian and Argentinian um, culture with uh, street food and, and, you know, uh, very focused in the cocktails as well. But we have a really like heavy music program there. Um, and it's very kind of like high energy and nightlife driven. It's cool. not a club though. It's, <laughs> gotcha. a, it's a bar. <laughs> All right. Now I know. <laughs> um, when you say Peruvian and Argentine, uh, so I'm assuming lots of Pisco and Fernet and stuff like that? Tons of Pisco and Fernet. Um, we have, I think, one of the largest Pisco selections in Chicago. Um, cool. Fernet and Amari, too. So really kind of building that out. Um, but definitely lots of Pisco, lots of Fernet. And cool. sort of intertwined in classics and also in like modern, you know, new yeah. creations. Well, I know that you, you do a lot of molecular mixology. I know that's you actually were meant to be on another show on this station, uh, Cooking Issues with Dave Arnold, but uh, Don <laughs> Lee gave you the wrong address, so <laughs> you had to call in. But uh, and speaking of like molecular mixology, um, how does that play? I mean, like I know that like with Chicago, you've got places like uh, like the Aviary and and um, Alinea. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of. It seems to me that like most of the attention that the Chicago food and wine scene gets is like very molecular. I mean, it is. Um, so we definitely don't do things as um, dialed in like that as Aviary and Alinea. Um, they definitely take it to a whole nother level. Right. Um, we kind of dabble a little bit. So I, I take techniques and things that I learn um, and sort of try to apply them to more of a high volume beverage program. Sure. Um, that was going to be my next question is like, how do you, how do you pull that off? In a yeah. High volume? Um, but Chicago in general, like there's really cool things happening in the food scene there. In addition to like in the cocktail scene, um, and you kind of see this blurring of the lines a lot. Um, especially with like the beverage becoming a little more culinary driven. Um, so I kind of just take some of those things that they're doing, um, whether it be experiential or just like, you know, more molecular or culinary driven techniques, but we are a high volume bar. So it's taking that and sort of translating that over and making it operational and functional. Cool. How big is the space? I mean, how many, how many seats? Um, it's quite large. It's, um, gosh, we, it's like 4,000 square feet and it's, uh, we've got like 15 seats at the bar, but it's like, it's a really big open space. So there's lots of couches and like soft seating in the, in the space. And there is, you know, an area for dining. Um, and there's also a private dining area as well, but it's very open and airy and expansive and it's meant to create room to dance basically. Cool. Yeah. Do you have to have cabaret licenses in in (laughs) Illinois? Like we do here? Like, cause if you like, it's actually illegal to dance in a bar. In New York City, if you don't have a cat Oh my gosh, like, I didn't know that. That's so yeah, funny. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, like you have to apply and, and get them. like if if uh, I don't, I don't even know who here. Yeah, it's weird. It's like this footloose <laughs> weird shit that happens here. But um, it's I don't know who like actually is like looking out for this shit. But I don't think it, I I doubt the cops care. But I don't know if there's like a department of like you know. Maybe it's what's the Church of Christ that, that doesn't like do music or who, I don't know who it is, but anyway, we have a resurgence of the temperance movement, yeah, and they just want to like weird. stop the dancing. Yeah, you, you have can to do have, the drinking, but we're going to stop the dancing. Yeah, you have to have a cabaret <laughs> license to dance. So if someone came in at the right, uh, I, I don't even government agency came in 
and there was someone dancing at your bar. Just you got your music up, you know, jukebox or whatever, and you could get fined for it. That's crazy. Well, I think Kimpton does their due diligence, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure that like cool. We have a dancing license, whatever that looks <laughs> if like in one, Chicago. You have one. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Good for you. We have a liquor uh, license, so that you know that's yeah. important. So yeah, well, yeah, that's the first step. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> probably the most important for a bar. Yeah. Um, there's other weird things like, I mean, like open flame permits. That's another thing, but we're not going to get into that. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. I never like I, I didn't know that 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 didn't exist in Oklahoma. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so tell me more about the, uh, you've got, like, a strong, like, sounds to me like this is, like, the spot to go to in Chicago to just, like, get down and have a lot of fun. And, yeah. And have great drinks. Yeah. Especially. And our food, like, our food's amazing, too. So it's, like, we have a chef who was the private chef for the Peruvian embassy in D.C. Um, so he, like, brings all of this really cool, authentic, you know, um, flair to the food. Um, but at the same time, it's like it's it is a space where you can kind of loosen your tie, and we are in the financial district, um, and you can sort of let loose, and it's like the vibe is very playful and fun, and um, you know, kind of cheeky, and yeah, and you nice. know, yeah, cool. Um, that's that, that doesn't really seem like like Chicago style to me, which is great for you guys. You know, like like I said, I've only been there well. I've been to Chicago like probably 15 times, but like just going through O'Hare on a connecting flight somewhere else. Right. But yeah. I've, I've actually only hung out there once and the places that we went to were like extremely like old school spots, you know? Sure. I mean, our other bar is like is a little more like that. So tell, it's tell very. Me about that one. Uh, so it's volume 39. It's on the second floor. Um, the cool thing about the Gray Hotel is it it um, was the original New York Life building, so it's, it was erected um, starting in like 1894. Um, oh, it was wow. one of the not the first original, but one of the first original steel structures in Chicago. So it's got all of this beautiful history to it, and we did this historic renovation. So there's you know original molding in the ceiling, and Volume 39 is is very much um, you know kind of a nod to that um, historic part of Chicago. So it is very like Mad Men-esque inside and, and um, you know, kind of uh, speaks to a previous time. Um, and I think when people walk in, they always tell me, they're like, wow, this feels like really, you know, old, old school Chicago. Yeah. So. Did you, I mean, like, I've worked at a couple of places that were like really, really old school bars. They took for they took a, a long time to restore. I mean, did it was it a quick? I mean, like it was already there. You've, you had the infrastructure. The infrastructure things, was like, there. So was like I mean, big restoration I think that project. yeah, the restoration definitely took a while. Um, so it, it, it you know it has this this sort of throwback feel, but at the same time, it's still a really modern space, um, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. Um, I was okay. So just from a technicality, yeah. like, technical side, so how much room do you actually have behind the bar to move around? Because like. Like when when I was working at Prime Meats, like we had an old Brunswick bar from the the 1880s, and there was like no room. Like you couldn't have a bar back there. Two bartenders was too many people. So it's funny you bring this up. So Volume 39 was actually, I think, from original concept. So when the higher ups were conceptualizing it, it was never going to be a cocktail bar, and then it suddenly something happened along the way, and it 
became a cocktail bar. So it was supposed to have more of a like heavy wine focus. Um, and they were like, no, we're going to do cocktails too. But the plans were already like in place. Sure. So the bar is tiny. It's a one trick pony back there. It's just one well. Um, and we're really busy. And so it's been kind of fun um, to sort of be solving those operational challenges yeah. and in this tiny, I mean, we have a bar back. He's amazing. He's skinny. So he fits back there, which <laughs> is great, but it's like, it's a one man show. And we, um, one woman show, one woman show. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a lot of cool ladies that work on the team too. So, cool. um, but it's, it's, uh, it was something that was a concern when we, when I definitely got into the space and I was looking at it because I was like, Hmm, this room is kind of big. That bar is really small. How are we going to get cocktails out for this whole yeah. room out of this tiny, tiny bar? So, like, I'm having like kind of a, a mild panic attack even thinking about this <laughs> this setup. I can't wait to come out and check it out, <laughs> see how you're doing it. Um, yeah, that's something that's really funny. Like when when we were building Grand Army, we I'll show you pictures later. Um, cool. That we were actually missing. So it's a you know it's a classic long like L shaped bar, right? Yeah. Um, with one one side entry, you know, classic, classic. It's a like early twenties bar, but the, the side of the bar, like the L part, like it was missing when we bought this old bar. So our contractors actually got to build and recreate like the paneling and everything from the kick out on the front, the handrail and everything. Like you would never know that this wasn't a original part of the bar, oh, but cool. the cool part about it is like normally on that side of the bar, we would have two bar seats and like no room behind the bar for like dishwashers or double speed rails or you know big larger like ice wells and things like that but we actually got to extend it out and now there are four seats on the side of the bar and we can have i think at one point like a couple weeks ago we had the brian miller and like the tiki mafiarg in there and there i think there were seven people behind the bar at one point wow but yeah, it was it was just like a, awesome. a happy accident. Well, that, those four seats d- generate revenue for that dishwasher. So totally. there you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Baleo's big though. So like yeah. the Baleo bar is long. It's one long bar. There's three wells. There's tons of room wow. back there. Um it kind of reminds me of Sable, which is, you know, where I came from mm-hmm. before this project and um it's just one really long bar so it's you know it's built for speed which is great because that room houses you know our capacity is um like i believe um 200 people so it you know it can it can handle it there's a lot of room for activities and high kicks back there and all that fun stuff so (laughs) cool um let's take a quick break and when we get back we'll continue talking with my buddy jess from the Kingdom Hotels in Chicago. And she brought something to try. So I brought you some treats. Let's try it out. Back in a sec. Hi, I'm Jordan Silbert, founder and CEO of Q Drinks. We're proud to support the Speakeasy. At Q Drinks, we make spectacular carbonated mixers, crafted to mix with your favorite spirits. Based right here in Brooklyn, we're available nationally in six flavors, including Q Tonic Water for spectacular gin and tonics, and Q Ginger Beer for spectacular Moscow mules. I started the company after a night in my backyard with good gin, really good friends, and lousy tonic water. I realized the world needed better mixers, 
So I made them. Q-Drinks uses real ingredients, a lot less sugar, and a lot more carbonation. The result? Clean, crisp, spectacular beverages that bring out the best in your favorite spirits. Using Q-Drinks, it's easy to create terrific drinks with just two pours. One to two ounces of your favorite spirit and three to four ounces of Q poured over ice in a highball glass. It's simple and spectacular. Q-Drinks. Make your drink spectacular. All right. We are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And today I have my friend Jessica Lambert in from Chicago. And we're just talking about a couple of the bars, uh, Paleo and Volume 39. 39. Uh, So you also brought some goodies. I brought you some treats. Yeah. I love that. I (laughs) I love treats. So, yeah, why don't you tell us about... I mean, I know that you recently uh, were part of a... Everyone knows I love for now. It's... It's, I mean, like people, like sometimes, like it's a little. Well, I didn't know that, so it's like your lucky day. I've got. Stop it. You have a tattoo. Oh my God. It's on my chest. <laughs> I wore a v neck today. Just Closest sh- to your heart sh- that way. Exactly. <laughs> I love Fernet. Uh, and you just recently were part of a uh, project to develop a Fernet. Yes. Cool. Tell us about it. We made a Fernet. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so Mike Ryan, he's our director of bars for Kimpton Hotels. He's also my mentor. Um, you know, we were working on the beginnings of Boleo, and um, you know, Argentina drinking culture is heavily rooted in Fernets, especially. Cocoa. Fernet and Cola. So, um, you know, the, the Fernet Branca distillery in Argentina actually produces more Fernet than the Milan distillery, and they don't distribute outside of Argentina. So to give you an idea, Milan produces for Italy and the rest of the world, yeah. and the distillery in Argentina only produces for Argentina, and they actually make more than Milan and the world combined. So totally the Argentines love their Fernet. So I, we, it was funny. We were like sitting in a seminar actually with the bitter cube guys. Um, and they were doing this, this seminar about, uh, just like extracting flavors and kind of how they, and from different botanicals and spices and like how they make their bitters. And they were talking about why, some things don't play nicely together and you would need to like extract those flavors individually and then blend. And it kind of like, it's weird. We sort of got the idea like both at the same time. And I was like, Oh my God, we should like make a Fernet. And he was like, I was thinking the same thing. And I'm like, but it's gotta be brandy based. Cause then that's how you tie in Peru to it. So, gotcha. yeah. so we kind of went down this rabbit hole, um, and started doing some research and, um, you know, discovered that Landy Fernets from the Landy region in Italy actually are brandy based. And they were the ones that we liked the most when we were doing, we went to Billy Sunday and just like drank all of their Fernet and did research. Um, And that's called research guys. Yeah, it's called research. Um, And so, you know, also we were thinking like, well, who are we going to get to make this? Like we want it to be a local product. And Ryan Hall was our like immediate first choice. And Ryan Hall is this amazing um, eau de vie distillery in Chicago, um, ran by a cool girl, Jenny and her dad. And their flagship is an apple brandy and it's all sourced from Michigan. And um, it's amazing. And then they made a mango and then they made a plum and then aviary contracted and had them make a strawberry. And so it, um, I knew they would kind of maybe be into this project. So we called up Jenny and we were like, Hey, so do you have any like grape distillate that we can 
play with. Do you, we want to make a Fernet? What do you think? And she was like, I think it's cool and weird, and I want to do it. So <laughs> we yeah. started. Uh, gosh, we started. It was a year ago, and in, in February actually is when we started like this whole thing. So we just released it um, January twenty eighth. So like. Like, like a, month a couple ago. weeks ago, yeah, yeah, like a month ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's brand new. Um, oh, I feel so ex- honored to be able to try it. It's exclusive to Baleo right now, so I just I took I bought the entire first case run. Cool. Um, but you'll see on the side there, there's a um, uh, on the iconography on the label. There's actually South America. Um, it's got two points on it pointing to Lima and Buenos Aires and then it it draws the Southern Cross which is the constellation you can only see in the Southern Hemisphere so cool which I saw for the first time like out in a vineyard on a Pisco distillery (laughs) so um yeah so it's it's brandy based and we we you know layered flavors and nice yeah so uh there's a little sample for you it makes an awesome daiquiri though because we wanted it to be something where it's Uh like for nut that you can sip on because um, Fernet Branca can be abrasive to some. Sure. It's an intense flavor profile. So we're like, we want to honor that, but also like create something that you can sip on and then also is going to shake into a cocktail really well. So the, the test was a sour build, basically. So it was like nice. different samples. We were shaking into daiquiris and t- testing it. So This is very cool. I can't wait to try it. You know what? We're going to try it, though, after... We try the other thing that you brought. I know, so right? Because it's a DJ Steve. Like, let's. Yes, we you should have finish to, with you it. You can't right? start with that. It's going to blow your palate yeah, out too. Exactly. Um, so I also brought you the coconut Negroni. Cool. Um, and, and such a cool bottle too. This like, I, I sometimes you know what I, I like doing radio more than TV uh, because it leaves a little bit of imagination mystery for, mystery for the uh, listeners. So that bottle is actually really cool because cool it kind of. Um, Gives a nod to our glassware that we have in Baleo. So, um, and even in Volume Thirty Nine Two, I sourced a lot of really intricate, really cool cut, like cut crystal, interesting glassware. Um, so that that was as close as I could get to. Uh, <laughs> he's stirring I'm, it. I'm swirling. You're swirling. I think it's good. I think it's good. Cool. <laughs> uh, so this is a coconut Negroni. So this is on our menu. Um, and this is a coconut uh, oil, or so organic unrefined coconut oil fat wash on Chilean pisco. Gotcha. And then stirred Negroni style. Um, so just Campari and Carpano Antica Sweet Vermouth. It's not an equal parts cocktail because I wanted to sort of pop the pisco forward a little sure. bit. So it's a one and a half, three quarter, three quarter built. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's the... Yeah, I was going to ask about the coconut because like coconut is... There's certain flavors that you can't get from like... Like raw coconut when when you're extracting, and like I think fat wash is a really cool way of doing that. Yeah, you know, and uh, like how this whole thing came about was I, you know, was kind of doing R and D in my kitchen. It's delicious, by the way. Thank you. I'm gonna take a sip too. I'm gonna pause because. Man, yeah, that's. I make a lot of them, but I actually don't get to drink a lot of them. (laughs) So, um, so how how this whole thing started was I was doing R and D, and you know I personally really love the aroma of like unrefined coconut oil because I think it smells like a real coconut and it's not artificial and, but it's hard. Like, like you said, it's hard to extract kind of that flavor. Coconuts are really hard to work with. Cracking them open is a bitch. Can I say that? Um, (laughs) You can, you can say whatever. Okay, great. Um, And so, you know, I, I kind of like started thinking and I was like, well, it's a fat, it should fat wash. Let's see what can, let's see what'll happen. Um, 
let's try it with Pisco. And it was kind of one of those things where like sometimes I just have a weird idea and I have to chase it down to see what happens. And so that was definitely one of them. And it uh, came back to it the next day, strained it off. It came out, you know, I, I strained it through a Chemex filter. It came out crystal clear. Um, and I tasted it and I was like, oh my God, it's like propelling the Pisco forward, all of these tropical nuances, like the the floral is there, but it, it kind of changes it a little it's, bit. Yeah, it transforms it. it. And I immediately was like, I want this in a Negroni. Like that's just kind of how it came about. Yeah, it's it's actually I'm 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 very impressed by this. Um Thanks. Because like I'm not I, I, I'm not like the I don't I don't hate on it by any means, but like I don't I'm not really Pisco's not like my first like or even second or third, like, go-to spirit. It, it isn't it, for most people, actually. It's, it's a little too, like, floral without, like, having, like, an edge to it. And this, like, the raw, like, the grassiness from the coconut really, like... It propels... It, it, it works with this so yeah. well. I found that, like, it's like Pisco... A yeah, it is. I Well, I found that, like, okay, so, you know, prior to this project, like, I was starting to work with Pisco, but not a ton, and I realized it's terroir driven, so it you can make it behave sure. in a lot of different ways by really like pulling out those nuances. And so like understanding that they're there. There it it can be grassy, it can be vegetal, it can be really minerally too. It's not always floral sure. or tropical, um, you know, depending on what if is it non-aromatic, is it aromatic? Like and so, you know, I started to really sort of again fall down the rabbit hole with that a little bit and it's like how do we like how do we throw pisco into like classics or modern classics um and you know how can it work and i was like well it can behave kind of like gin if we want it to yeah totally i mean yeah and like the idea of like fat washing is going back to the idea of molecular mixology you know that's that's um once I figured it out, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I can, like... You're like, this is the last cocktail I'm inventing. I'm retiring. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't <laughs> even that. I was just like, what else can we fat wash? What other fats can we play with? Like, can we do... Um, in Volume 39, we actually do um, two two different types of fat washes. Um, there's a cocktail down there called the Financier. Um, and so it's actually... It's, it's inspired by the little... French pastry, the financiers, yeah. which are brown butter based with amaretto. Um, so we do a brown butter fat wash on Copper and King's Brandy. Um, there's a hint of amaretto, Luxardo, Amaro Abano in there um, to kind of just give it some balance. And um, cool. we also do a dirty martini, but it's this really beautiful cold pressed um, olive oil yeah. fat wash with like some saline added. So nice. it's it tastes like you're biting into this like bright, beautiful green Spanish olive. Instead of like brine, like you know, from the yeah, jar vinegar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. You know, like I wish more people were doing stuff with like like with taking the idea of like, a dirty martini and like refining it. You know, it, I've done I've, in the past. I've done like some olive oil fat wash gins before, but like taking the salinity, like taking like a saline solution and throw it in there, like it's a good idea. It's a really good idea because like. <laughs> you just you want to taste like you want to taste like olives and salt. You don't want to taste like so much like vinegar, right? Kind of. I mean, some people want that, you know. So that's like, well, we I have don't. it on hand. If you order sure, it, we sure. can do it. But that's cool. I, I'm like, I want the essence of the olive, sure. like you know, and that experience kind of translated back into the yeah. into the cocktail. But how that came about is because it was uh, we have a 
the six martini happy hour. So it's kind of a riff on a three martini lunch if yeah. you if you follow me. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, but it's it's mini it's six mini martinis, so it's a one ounce pour. And it's like an Astoria. Mar- Martinis. Martinis. Oh my God, I love it. Gosh, <laughs> why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so it's like, you know, that we do the dirty one and we have a Gibson with a house um, cocktail onion and that we make in house. We brine in house and um, an Astoria. And like, love so it's a little, it's a like little baby favorite. martini flight. It's so you great. can have it full size or you can have all of the martinis because I can't drink three martinis. Well, I could. I could it would do, be a shit I could do show. Six of them, if it was the only thing I was doing that night. I and I. <laughs> do you guys have Uber and or yeah. Lyft in Chicago? But it's not. <laughs> I would like, need that. It's, it's not like you know, like we're in the boonies. We're we're a major city. We I know. I'm Uber. kidding. I'm kidding. We're just, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I know. Um, have some more coconut Negroni. <laughs> I, well, yeah. This thing's delicious. Southern Teague is missing out today. Well, he's well, in Mexico. I brought so. him one too, so cool. We'll keep it around. For as long him. as you can keep your hands off of it for when he comes back. We we we're pretty good about keeping stuff around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know about like the other people <laughs> who host shows in this uh, <laughs> the studio, but we'll keep it around. Um, actually, you know, going back to this fernet, I think it's time to try this fernet. Um, Chicago is no stranger to like. Tisha Steves and Bitters. Like, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Malort. Yes. Um, what's your What is your opinion of Malort? <laughs> I, I, I love when I get to talk to people from Chicago. They have very, very different opinions of, of this spirit. So, oh, fuck, man. Um, <laughs> everyone always asks me this, and I'm just like, I feel like I should have such a, like, you know, it's like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Are you on the Malort side or the Frenette side? Um, you know what? I kind of like it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I do too. You know what? So, because I love Sue's and Sue's is like really gentiony and bitter and like, but it's got, it's got some bricks to it. It's got some sugar content. Right. And right. I feel like Malort is like that. It's a little, it's much more intense, but it's like, if you took all of the sugar away, all of the bricks out of it. And you're left with this just like really, really intense grapefruit gentian bitter. Yeah. Like that's kind of what it is. I don't know. I don't really mix with it, but I like I appreciate it because I'm like this is kind of fucked up, but it's also kind of nice. Do you drink it uh, chilled or room temp? Room temp. Is that is that the is that the like Chicago way? Yeah, you just shoot it like you would have. I was I was thought that. that you were yeah. supposed to keep it like in in the low boy, like keep it chilled. I've never seen that before, but I also like you That's know what people do around here. I've only been in Chicago for three years, but like any uh, malort that I've ever gotten in Chicago, whether it's you know we're initiating somebody who's in town or right. or we're just being assholes and ordering it for each other, yeah. it's like it's just coming off the back bar and getting poured out, and you just take it. I think that's room temp and neat and yeah, that's probably the best way. Like the first time I had it was a bottle that had been sitting around for a while, and I do. I do think that it has like a pretty hardcore shelf life. Like, yeah. Like I've had like fresh bottles and I'm like, wow, this is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, not really fucking good, but like, this is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but then there have been times where like, you know, like the first time in mean, like a couple of times, it's the same as Fernet actually, because I feel like, you know, a fresh bottle of Fernet, it, you know, it's still got like 
you know, it's it's lively. It's got like more mint. Eh, it's brighter, you know. Yeah. But if it's been sitting around for a while, and like that's that's kind of like a vermouth. It's true of any spirit, you know? though. Like yeah. they'll oxidize. They will. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Malort now. See now, I want to do a test and I want to open a bottle, date it, and then come back to it and like compare it against a fresh bottle and like see what happens. If you want to, you should do that. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it, but. <laughs> Just for the, your, your own experience uh, and experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So tell us about this. All right. Well, so, <clears throat> you know, for this, you're going to get just tons of, like, there's a lot of blueberry on the nose, actually. There's blueberry, and it's kind of chocolatey, and there's carob. The cassia is pretty high in this, um, but it actually doesn't translate as, like, a lot of cassia bark on the palate, but we, we really did crank it up a little bit to just yeah, get some... Yeah, it's not super cinnamony or, like, like no. Cassie will do. But it's got this really fun um, kind of, like, saffron finish to it. Yeah. You know what? It's really... I'm trying to put my finger on it. Something really savory about this. Mm-hmm. Like, There's, like, eucalyptus right across the mid-palate. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's got sort of that... Um, it it has a weird umami hint to right. it. Yeah. This is really cool. Is this okay, so now this is going to be available as soon as they make another batch cuz you already bought the first batch or No, it's kind of like if we like have to thing? we it's a house thing. So it's like we could release it into the market if we wanted to. Um but that's like a conversation we have to sit down and be like, so are we going to make more and let our friends have it? Um in Chicago or beyond, or because right now it's just it's just exclusive to Boleo. This is really yeah, wow. There's so much going on with this. I get what you're saying with the blueberry thing, and that oh. wasn't intentional. That's something that sort of happened with our formulation, and then we were like, "Oh my god, this is really cool that it's doing this." And you know, there were a lot of tastings and a lot of visits. Um, and we were just really kind of tweaking. But when we were doing our research, we we sat down with all of these different fernets and like wrote down the flavors that we were enjoying. Right. And it was Jenny and Mike and I, and we're like, I really like this and this Amaro, and I really like this and this fernet, and I like how this one was more rounded eucalyptus and less menthol forward, or or you know, there's a hint of spearmint, but it's like. A really like a top note, and then right. it sort of you know moves into other things, and um, and so we we really like paid attention when we were tasting, and kind of took all of our favorites and tried to sort of yeah. mash it together and See, make it I, work. I can't stop thinking about like making a blueberry fernet cocktail now. This is like I'm gonna go fuck with that. You should <laughs> like make a blueberry syrup and shake that into a a dac. You're just talking crazy now. <laughs> no, I'm going to go home and do that. You can't have that one. That's mine. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, you know what? We'll collab. Let's okay. collab on it. Yeah. Let's collaborate on it, and we'll uh, we'll plug each other on each other's menus. Okay. Cool? Done. High five. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Well, this- um, I brought you Fernet Lola lollipops, I was wondering too. what these are. Oh, my God. So our pastry chef um, at the Gray Melissa Kazi is just like, she's kind of a weird creative genius, and we love to, like, collaborate together and so she I gave her the fernet and we were like do you want to like play with this and do something cool and she makes fernet Lola lollipops and they're just stupid good that's adorable um I can't wait to try that I, I'm gonna give one to our producer Vitor uh <laughs> yeah he's already yeah. he's giving me the thumbs up um 
cool, man. Well, you've been really busy, and this is, uh, I'm glad you got to take the time to come here today and uh, chat with me. Um, it's been really fun. Uh, yeah, it has been fun. I, you know, everyone should go when you're in Chicago, or if you live there, um, either way, go check out Jess's creations at the Kimpton Hotel, uh, Volume 39 in Baleo. Uh, have a coconut Negroni, because it's delicious. And also, try this for net, man. You can only get it there. So, you gotta go see <laughs> her. come visit us. Uh, yeah. We'll greet you with awesome. net. So you're in town for the rest of the week. I am. Cool. Where where are some of the places you want to go to check so, out? So like I come often. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of hit a lot of the like cocktail hotspots, but um, I still haven't been to Pouring Ribbons, so that's on the that's definitely on the list. Grand, um, Grand Army Bar. I've been, but I want to go back. Um, (laughs) And uh, I've been hearing amazing things about Dante, and so um, I definitely want to go there, but you'll always find me kind of going and high-fiving friends at the various, you know, bars around town. So, yeah. I had a going up last night. That was fun. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. It's been a while for me, too. (laughs) I had it. I, my I, my I Fat Tuesday one. started too early, so yeah, I did one a couple like couple summers ago, and it was yeah. a fucking blast. It was great. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, you know, BQ and all those kids. He's so nice. Yeah, cool man. Well, it's been a one hell of a pleasure to have you uh, in here in the studio today, and uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Um, yep, yeah, go check out Jessica's work at Baleo and Volume Thirty Nine. Um, that's it for today's speakeasy. Thanks again, Jess. Yeah, thanks for having and, me. Uh, cheers. cheers. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this one. Until next week, we'll see y'all later and have a great night. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 